Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. I have a very special guest with me, my uh, dove, my mm-hmm. one and only beautiful wife. I almost said Carly Ray. Why? I don't know, Carly Ray Jensen. Who's that? Remember that chick Blake likes? Jepson. Jepson. <laughs> I was like, who name. is this person? I don't know. Wow. I feel but, so uh, special right now. Amen. Kylie Hames. <laughs> uh, for, artist formerly known as Kylie Ran, but she uh, selflessly put down her old identity mm-hmm. and took on my name. And, yeah. and everything, all the, all the wonderful pluses mm-hmm. of becoming a Hames. Truly. Amen. Yeah. Why don't you name a couple for us? Of the blessings of being a Hames? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many to choose from. I don't want to put you on well, spot, but. <sighs> let me just tell you, I never before drank Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, the early part of our marriage, I developed a terrible addiction to sugar drinks, so that was great. Uh, we eat out a ton, which I never <laughs> did as a, as a younger person. Hey, Jesus loves to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Well, uh, this is part three of Jesus Loves to Eat. Uh, I don't have a title. It's so probably just communion. Holy communion. I don't know. It's classic. Amen. And uh, before we get into it, what's the Lord been doing in your life? You're going to share with the people just, uh, you know, what's on your heart? What's the Lord been showing you? What's he been doing in your life? Well, if any of you guys have ever caught me on this podcast or like on any of the short things that Brock and I ever do, I never have a quick explanation. So get ready for just a few minutes of (laughs) uh, explanation here. Go for it. Cool. So I, we got married over eight months ago and it was a hard transition not like in the physical but somehow spiritually because suddenly like your roles kind of change like as a single person Jesus is your groom you know you devote all of your time to him it's it's so different and then you get married and then suddenly someone else is relying on you in for certain things which is totally cool but long story short it's just been kind of like a learning curve it's taken some time to like settle in to like you know a new a new habit or a new way of life so basically um just really been feeling like i've not been a very good like steward of my thought life brought kind of brought it to my attention because i was just feeling kind of dry i just like i was still reading the word all the time and still praying and talking to people about jesus and all the good stuff but it just really felt like i wasn't just head over heels in love with jesus and i hate that crap because i know it's not true So I don't know. Long story short, I thought that I had a heart problem, but really it's just been the Lord just convincing my mind of his love for me. And so for sure for the past couple days, I've really just been like uh, into scriptures about the Trinity. Um, We did a Song of Solomon recording last night. So just really just like soaking in like, wow, God's ravished by me. You know, um, first John 4, it says like we love him because he first loved us. And so I feel like He's just kind of like reinforcing to me like where before I might have maybe understood his love in a shallow way. I just feel like he's like teaching it to me in such a deep and interesting way. So I've been studying the heart, you know, studying like that in connection to our thoughts, our confession, the way that the Lord ties into that, you know, who the Trinity is, how the Trinity loving each other and loving me makes me righteous. It's just been crazy. I just feel like it's 
been so many different things in the word, but it's all really just like falling under the category of just like, you know, I am God's beloved and he is mine. So just understanding that part of I'm his beloved and it's been incredible. Amen. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have to talk with my hands up here because of the mic. So maybe I should just back up a little bit. I'm looking a little creepy. Preaching hand symbols. I'm a fan of them. Yeah, we were doing the Song of Solomon uh, recording last night, and Brock is so theatric because so I'm just sitting here and I'm like, blah, blah. I'm looking at my phone, but he's like, oh, you've ravished my heart, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> he's looking into Doth, you know, window breaks, there is the East or yeah. whatever. I don't know. You like that Shakespearean stuff. I just misquoted that. <laughs> but, I think you had it right. Wow. It's, it's all the King James. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's Romeo and Juliet mm -hmm. by Donder, Yonder. What, Doth? Is that what they say? I don't know. I don't remember. It is the East. I just remember, uh, was it, I feel like it was like Ned's Declassified or maybe like uh, Drake and Josh where they were quoting that. And no instead way. of like, um, what is it, uh, where the wind breaks, instead of they say where he breaks wind and it's supposed <laughs> to be like this funny fart joke. And <laughs> that's not how I always quote it on accident now. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> just been conditioned. That's wonderful. <laughs> Amen. Well, uh... <laughs> Jesus loves to fart. I'm just kidding. That's the name of this series. I thought about that. <laughs> he eats a times. lot. I mean, he eats a lot and eat. You know, Jesus yeah. said it himself in Matthew. It's either 12 or 15, but he says, you know, that which goes in the mouth comes out in the drought. Right. <laughs> you know? That's uh, your favorite scripture. Amen. Paul counts <laughs> all things dung. Hey. So they're really the central theme of Philippians. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Counting all things dung. You know, when you take the word in, it then produces. <laughs> <laughs> really Praise brock's God. just abiding yeah <laughs> abiding mm. on the toilet <laughs> that's real life amen mm -hmm. um so anyways uh <laughs> what we're gonna get into is uh, what is communion and whatnot and uh we've been talking about i pray and hope that you've watched the first episode come and dine the second one was what's for dinner. I really dove into what the bread and the wine really is. Um, you know, there's just still so many scriptures we could have used, you know, and I was thinking about this, you know, in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, when he comes back, you know, he gives him the ring and the shoes and the garment. But what else does he do? He does the bring the fattest calf we're going to eat. We're yeah. going to have a celebration, mm -hmm. you know, in Revelation. I didn't even mention this. I don't know how. The marriage supper of the Lamb, that's what it says is going to happen when we're all in heaven. Uh, you know, and just, I'll top it off, Song of Solomon 2.16. No, actually like 6.3 better. Uh, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Uh, I'm in Christ, and he's in me, and he feeds among the lilies. You know, he, he feeds, he teaches. Uh, he's a shepherd. He feeds his flock uh, in the lilies, you know, being a lily, not toil toiling, not spinning, working hard, but just existing. So uh, we're going to get into it here. I'm sure everybody listening and or watching knows what communion is. Uh, it's the act of, you know, you take the bread, and you eat it, and you take the wine, and you drink it, and we are... Um, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me in Matthew 26. So that's where it comes from. Uh, there's been a lot of religious tradition and misunderstandings about it. And hopefully we're going to explain to you guys 
oh, what is communion? Why do you take it? What does it symbolize? Um, maybe some misconceptions about communion. And uh, man, uh, if you you don't have to take communion with with bread and wine or grape juice or whatever, you know, I've taken wine with a carrot and water before. So um, if you're watching this, you know, hopefully by the end of it, uh, we're going to take communion at the end. And hopefully by the end, I just encourage you, pause it right now if you want. Grab something you can take communion with. It does not matter. These are just symbols. Um, just know that it's supposed to be bread and wine. And uh, like I said, episode two, I explained what those two things represent. And we're going to go into some more detail in that probably in this. But I encourage you to take communion with us at the end. Um out of an understanding now, I hope that uh, my desire, and I know yours is too, is to show people what communion is, how awesome it is. Um, it's transformed our lives, gaining understanding, and it seems like something so simple and something not even worth paying attention to, but I really believe that uh, it's something very special. So uh, I know you have a lot of thoughts, so if you just want to go, I'm actually going to take my hoodie off while you talk. Do it. Uh, yeah, just as a warning for you guys, I literally have like 12 bullet points. Hopefully we'll get to them all. God willing, it just is a natural flow and it doesn't have to be crazy. Um, so for me personally, the first thing I ever heard about communion um, is actually something to do with Jewish tradition, um, which um, that stuff really does interest me, but not to like the depth of me like going to seek it out. I know a lot of people who are like really into like the maps of the Bible and really into Jewish culture and all these things, and they get a lot of joy out of the quiet time. Christian Zionist. For sure, and I respect it. You know, Messianic Jews who maybe just already know this stuff. Um, so I maybe like four years ago was part of a Bible study that was taught by a Messianic Jew. So basically she was a Jew, then she converted to Christianity when she realized that Jesus was the Messiah. Um, and so she did crazy stuff, everything from like the Garden of Eden to like symbolism in the Torah. It was incredible. Wow. But the very first thing that she ever said, which is honestly what really piqued my interest about communion, was she gave kind of like the Jewish definition of what wine is. And so um, basically what happens in Jewish tradition, a man would propose, I don't know if this still happens, but we'll just say past tense. A man would propose to a woman and she wouldn't give her answer right away. The man would go back whoop, to his father, and he would say, hey, I just proposed. The father would throw this huge feast. It would be seven days, right? Yeah, an entire week of just a feast. They'd invite everybody they know. It was almost like a pre-engagement party, if you would. And what would happen is this woman would come. This man would pour a glass of wine, and he would set it on the table in the middle of the party for everyone to see. And sometime within those seven days, this woman would come to this table and if, she, if the answer to the engagement was a no, she would never partake of the wine. And the entire party would be done. Everyone would go home. They'd go home single. End of story. But if the woman said yes, sometime within those seven days, in the midst of everybody, she would go up on into like toward this table and she would pick up the wine and she would take a drink. And the moment that that wine hits that woman's lips, the father, the groom, they leave and they go to prepare a place for this woman. Mm -hmm. This uh, father and this son would actually build an addition onto their home and they would prepare a place. And the woman would go back home and she would have no idea, really the timeline, no idea when her groom is coming back. But when that place was ready, when that place was prepared, the groom would come back and he would take his bride into his father's house. 
Um, and this is just absolutely, if you guys know scripture well, that almost that entire last half is completely in scripture about how Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. My father's house has many rooms. Mm -hmm. And then it says that he comes back and the bride knows not when. And so it's just this huge picture of every time you take this wine, you're just saying yes again to that marriage proposal of, of Jesus's offering to you. It's almost like renewing your vows in it a really weird is. sense. Yes, mm -hmm. totally agree with that. Um, so that was really about the depth of my revelation of communion, which is awesome. Probably a lot cooler than what a lot of people teach about it, but that really just piqued my interest. And then the other thing that she mentioned, I actually want to pull up scripture for this one. Um, she was talking about the bread and how um, one thing that Brock, you said earlier was that through taking communion, we really um, have just learned so much about who God is, and we've really learned so much um, about the word and so much revelation has been given. Um, so in Luke 24, I'm just trying to see exactly. So this is the road to Emmaus. Emmaus. Thank you. I always want to say Damascus. I know that's Paul. I get them to flip. So basically, like Jesus came back, you know, it's Luke 24. It's the end of the whole thing. Um, it's the story about these two men that were walking on the road. Jesus came to walk with them. They were disciples, not the 12, but followers of Jesus. They talked with him, etc. Basically, he came to stay with them, but they did not know who he was. They didn't know that he was the risen Christ. And it says, so this is Luke 24, uh, verse 30. So he's in there and he's staying with them. And it says, and it came to pass, he sat at meat with them. So he was eating with them and he took bread and blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And it says in verse 31 that then their eyes were opened and they knew him and then he vanished. So I was always just kind of taught like this breaking of bread, this taking mm -hmm. of communion. It's just an avenue that the Lord uses to reveal mm -hmm. himself to you so that you can clearly see him. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, I know I've shared this with you as well. Um, for those of you who know who Smith Wigglesworth is, if you don't know who he is, go and check him out. Um, I don't agree with everything theologically per se. Um, I think he didn't have quite the understanding of grace that's out there now think he might have ministered a lot of condemnation but i super respect the dude and out of all the old timey uh whatever you want to call them preachers revivalists um he's definitely my favorite uh just his style and what he did and uh basically dude just had crazy miracles i'm talking about uh they bring somebody who has a cancerous tumor in their stomach they bring him out on a stretcher and Wigglesworth would at, would ask, where's the pain? And they would be like in the stomach. And he would take his two fists and just like, dude, yeah, dude would do that uh, in a healing line. Dude would punch people, but people would get healed. Uh, that guy on that stretcher, I know in that one instance, the dude died and the people were like, we're going to sue you and this. And then dude got up and was running around. Dude, dude died and then came back to life uh, free from all the pain of the cancer and everything. I mean, I'm talking like, Smith Wigglesworth would punt babies, like, <laughs> yeah. which, I mean, I, you know, he was a total man of God, and I mean, the proof of the pudding's in the eating of it, so, you know, what are you going to say when all these people are getting healed, and uh, dude was just crazy, but uh, I know, uh, I've heard his, like, great-granddaughter, or maybe it's his granddaughter, uh, she shared that, uh, they asked, "What was one of, like? What was the secret to your 
grandfather's success and all this stuff. And I just find it interesting. She said one thing. She said, I'll tell you, she said, he took communion every day. And, uh, you know, I'm just saying, if that type of man has those type of results, which if you are a fan of this podcast, you know we're not about results. We're not fruit conscious. We're abiding mm-hmm. conscious. We're not focused on what we're doing. We're focused on we're focused vertically, not horizontally. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still something to be said, of course, and at least as a topic of conversation. Wow, this guy's getting these results over here. And then to link that, um, obviously Smith Wigglesworth had some sort of revelation on communion, on mm-hmm. oneness per se, mm-hmm. which, I mean, that was pretty out there for that time. So he might have just not preached on it for all mm-hmm. we know. But uh, I just find that, you know, once – I heard that a year and a half ago, and then when we started kind of looking more into communion, um, I, I kind of linked the two, in my mind mm-hmm. at least. And that, I, I mean, there's times I've taken communion seven days straight, and uh, I do it very periodically now, and our church does it at every opportunity that they can. Mm-hmm. So there, I just, uh, you know, I've actually never thought about it like that, that it brings revelation well, excuse me. I thought I've said that sentence in my head, but not in alliance with this passage of scripture. Mm-hmm. That's very, very cool. Honestly, so like before Brock and I even started dating, um, I feel like God was just kind of opening up communion to me. And I ordered like, I'm sure you guys, I think we've talked about this in the past, but I ordered like 100 communion cups on Amazon or something. And I was simultaneously studying the resurrection of Jesus. Actually, it was his death. That's what I was studying at the moment. It was his death. And I was taking communion every day, like minimum once a day. I was giving it out to people. I was like bringing it to like gatherings with friends. I just wanted to understand. And I honestly do believe that taking communion while I was studying the death of Jesus helped me to see it in a way that like I have never even considered before. It was so real to me. I just felt like I just saw it so clearly in the spirit and I just don't think it would have been as deep if I wouldn't have been like in that remembrance and just in that state of like fellowship with Jesus in a way. Do you want to get into that a little bit? Uh, What does communion have to do with the death of Jesus? So gosh, there's so much with that. Um, I'll just say, let's see. So one of the first things that I have like just listed here. um, So There's obviously two components to communion. So there's the bread, which we eat first. Um, In scripture, it's always talked about first. And then we have the wine, which comes second. So as like a very baseline and simple kind of uh, symbolism for Jesus. So Jesus said in John 6.33, 6.33, that he was the bread that came down from heaven. So he assigns his identity to the bread of communion. It says that he's the bread of life. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, like, it's a pretty well-known fact if you've been in the Word or in the Gospels for a while. Mm -hmm. So I look at the bread of Jesus um, as it says that it came down. It's like the tangible substance of God's spirit form. Mm -hmm. So when we partake of this bread and he gives us this bread, I personally believe that we are just like proclaiming that the physical Uh, essence of Jesus Christ was Mm. buried away, that Mm. it absolutely was dead, that Mm. it no longer exists. And with that, we also die because we know that the scripture says that we have Mm. died with Christ. We've been raised with him. So I look at the bread as Christ has been died away. And then what comes after the new wine comes, 
Wine represents life. It represents spirit. So bread is me dying with Jesus, and then wine is the resurrection of Jesus and me proclaiming that it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, that I was crucified with Christ, and now I live as a spirit being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you know what? The thing you said about the bread uh, isn't isn't just taking the bread also. Um, uh, it's It's almost... On top of that, a proclamation of, I believe that God was manifested in the flesh through Jesus. Yeah. Which is oh, a, that's perfect. Which is yeah. so essential mm -hmm. that a part of the Godhead became human. That's huge. Yeah. No, mm. that's perfect. That really is just almost a declaration every time you take it of the choice that you made. Yeah. The bread, the mm -hmm. real bread came down from heaven. This mm -hmm. is him right here. Incredible mm. side thought that Brock actually brought up to me. I don't know if you've mentioned it on your podcast recently, but one part of the triune God became flesh, and he is still that way. He is still flesh and bone. Mm. A spirit being chose to be flesh for all of eternity, and he's no longer flesh and blood. The body that he had when he was incarnate on earth, it died away. But it says in Revelation that we'll have a new body. We will no longer be flesh and bone, but or I'm sorry, flesh and blood, but flesh and bone. And so Jesus decided to stay that way. So how much more even when you take mm. the bread, it's just, oh, it's just an all-encompassing just worship of what Christ did when he did that and what he's still doing. Him like coming it's still down, him dying. Mm -hmm. It's really just wrapped in one, right? He's yeah. saying this body was birthed, the bread came down from heaven, and then it died for me. It took stripes for me. Mm. that is so good which yeah. man i'm so sorry to interrupt before i forget mm -hmm. uh the flesh thing you know paul said i know it looks like we're about to get into it but mm -hmm. the part about uh in first corinthians was that seven six or one flesh no or one spirit oh, okay. uh, no the part um where he's talking about you guys aren't taking communion properly that's how you want to say yeah. it and then he mm -hmm. says that's why many of you are sick and lay asleep mm -hmm. and you know what 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 was the it, in the whole crucifixion the body of christ um one of the things that really retained was healing right by his mm -hmm. stripes you were healed you know uh so when you're taking man it just pro you're so right it proclaims mm -hmm. it's like a confession mm -hmm. uh, 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 uh it's almost like when you say the pledge of allegiance when you're a kid that's funny you are you are proclaiming it and it's mm -hmm. almost when you're taking that bread you're saying uh his body was destroyed which i when i take the bread i i really think of the bread in my mouth getting ripped to shreds mm -hmm. and i think about his body being ripped to shreds so that's just another proclamation, right, of like, he, he, th this body suffered mm -hmm. so that I could be made well. Yeah, 100%. Mm. And it's, um, I wanted to bring up Isaiah 53, 5. You mm -hmm. know, it's a, it's a very popular healing scripture. Um, it says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we're healed. So I just, yeah, I think about if people are struggling i guess so to speak with the idea that christ heals communion is such an awesome thing for mm. that because we know the scripture but so often even in faith circles i heard it said like you know have a move of faith like have something almost that shows that you believe god you mm. know what i mean it's kind of faithy but if it's done with a good heart it's so perfect and mm. so i feel like 
you know, if you are like reading Isaiah 53, 5, and then you look at communion and you say, Jesus, I'm taking this bread and I believe that because your body was bruised, mine is healed. Boom, you take it. The bread of healing is in your body now. It's being digested. All those particles mm -hmm. are flowing through your body. And then it's Jesus, this wine. This was your blood that was poured out for me. I'm covered in it. It, it just, the blood of Christ is through my veins, you guys. It's a spirit thing. Mm -hmm. None of me is me anymore. Mm -hmm. And so taking that wine is just like, dude, perfection just flows through my body. Christ literally took sickness and everything to the grave. I love it. Someone in our pulpit like a month ago said to hell with it, literally to hell with it. It's, it doesn't even exist anymore. So to me, like the blood running through my veins, it's perfect health. Man, uh, I love that talk because I've been thinking about this all day, actually, which ties mm -hmm. in low key. Oh my gosh, I've been thinking uh, and I felt like the Holy Spirit's just been, you know, when the Holy Spirit just keeps saying a scripture to you. Yeah. And it just, oh, yeah. It's like a, it's like a, like a, like a temple massage. You know what I mean? Like it's subtle, but it's like, mm, mm -hmm. so good. The Holy Spirit all day has just been like, to me, he's just been like, bone of my bone flesh of my flesh yeah. and I just oh my gosh the Lord gave me this today he was like uh just like you know Adam's a picture of Jesus you know uh Adam was put to sleep and Eve came out of him and you know sleep in the Bible represents death whoops mm -hmm. and Jesus was put to sleep and we came out of him that's really good I know that is so awesome and then the, oh my you know oh and this ties in with the communion part you know Jesus is dead. He's put to sleep. You know, when people died, when when the young woman died, Jesus said, uh, the damsel sleeps, you know, mm -hmm. said Lazarus sleeps. Uh, so Jesus was put to sleep. He was dead. And and then the, the soldier pierced his side and all that blood, that blood, mm -hmm. the same blood that we are symbolically drinking when we take communion. It's just a uh, man. <laughs> I was about to get into like oneness and just... But please go on what you're going in. That's exactly where I was headed. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> Led by the Lord. Spirit-led yeah. podcast. Yeah, seriously. Dude, the oneness, uh, we talked about it right before healing, where it's like, you know, his flesh was our flesh. His spirit now is our spirit. First Corinthians 6. Oh, dear Lord, if you do not have a revelation of the perfection of your spirit, and God just bringing you into all of his goodness and glory. This is a scripture that will absolutely rock your world. Um, it is, I just want to start at 16. Mm -hmm. So it says, Know you not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body. For two, he says, shall be one flesh. So he's basically just saying, you know, he's obviously talking about some other things here. But the gist of it is that in the same way, we can even use man and wife, for example. Man and wife come together. The Lord views them as one flesh because they're in covenant. They're together. It's, mm -hmm. There's no separation. I love how Pastor Greg says it. It's not closeness. Closeness infers that there might be some distance somewhere. It's literally mm -hmm. like taking water and like drink mix, and it's mm -hmm. just one. No separation. It's un inseparable. Mm -hmm. So it says, um, for two, he says, shall be one flesh. And then verse 17 says that, that he who is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. And so even more, you know, just identifying with the death and identifying with the bread. When I drink that wine, it is just like I'm one spirit. Like there's no separation to God. He views me and Jesus exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And if anyone else needs another scripture reference, 
to confirm that. 1 John 4, 17, as Jesus is, so are we in the world to come. Wow. No, just kidding. As <laughs> Jesus is, so are we in this world right now. Yep. Not talking about your mind, not talking about your body, but your spirit. Mm -hmm. That is that all of it has become new. There, You have no sin in your spirit. You're perfectly sealed. And man, this word one right here, he that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit. In, mm -hmm. in the Greek, it means one excluding of another. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, um, you know, me and Jesus walking down the road of life, the two of us. Um, you can say that for metaphorical purposes, of mm -hmm. course. Um, I say that all the time, you know. I say it's me and Jesus. But uh, really a, a, a more scriptural New Testament term would be it's not the two of you, it's the one of you. Totally. Paul said, for me to die is gain and to live is Christ. It is not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Mm -hmm. It's a, uh, I, I know I've told you this and maybe other people on the podcast, but, and I did it this morning. Every morning, the first thing I try to do is when I go in that bathroom and I look myself in the mirror and I just say, Christ lives in these clothes. It is Jesus who is operating inside of me. We are not separate. Uh, I'm led by the Spirit. I'm mm -hmm. not trying to be. I am because He is my life. His quality of life is on the inside of me. I'm one with Him. Totally. When I walk, Jesus walks. When I talk, Jesus talks. When I think, Jesus thinks. What I feel is what Jesus feels. Mm -hmm. And some people would find this so blasphemous, obviously, or they've just never heard it. I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't hear. I mean, I went through a whole year of Bible school and never heard anybody ever say you're one with the Spirit. No one would dare. Yeah, it mm -hmm. would be because God's up here and we're down here. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and if we're lucky and we try hard enough, we might just get close enough if to we God. Press in. But if we make the wrong choice, then he probably won't talk to us anymore. Yeah. Gosh, I keep saying that. Uh, <laughs> better not be any sin in, hidden sin in your life. Uh. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. So anyways, uh, oneness. Mm -hmm. So commune, here's the point. Communion is another uh, proclamation uh, declaring uh, an unfolding of your oneness with Jesus, and I liked what you said. I think about that too. When I drink that wine, that wine is now all in my throat, and it's all in my body, and it's mm -hmm. going down to my stomach, and like it's just you know, I picture it just flowing through my veins. Mm -hmm. It's just the life of Jesus just existing for no other purpose than He just loves you, and He wanted to give you this gift. Yeah, exactly. One thing, too, that I think is awesome uh, about communion, we were just talking about just being one with the Spirit and, you know, talking about sin in your life and all this stuff. Um, I wanted to read 1 Peter 3.18 because a lot, I feel like it's twofold. When you do a confession of oneness and you have a, a revelation of oneness, you can't have that, I don't feel like, without also having a revelation of being eternally forgiven. Mm. Honestly, if I agree. You you know, God can't live in an unholy vessel. It's just true. That's mm -hmm. what kept, you know, that's why he had to obviously dwell within the tabernacle and he had to 
you know, encounter one priest once a year who is covered in blood. I mean, that's really what separates us, you know. Um, so I wanted to read First Peter 3.18. I'm going to read it in a different translation than the King James. It says that, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So again, I just feel like put to death in the body, made alive in the spirit, just really just, man, does that just drive wow. that point home? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Of just really just doing everything that Jesus does. And it's like, if, if we can be so unified in his death, I mean, how much more mm -hmm. in things of the spirit? If this carnal world, I love how Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes says it. It's vanities of vanities. Like this is a puff of smoke. Mm -hmm. Like realistically, like God is a spirit being, you guys. Like we are spirit beings. Like all of this here, this is just smoke and mirrors. So it really it's like, doesn't even matter. It much. doesn't. And I mean, it's still incredible what Christ did. But as real as a physical death to us, how much more is spirit life? That mm -hmm. Zoe life. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Sincerely, um, man, and and uh. God said to me one day, um, I was really, I, I don't know if I was particularly looking at scriptures on communion, but mm -hmm. I was just in prayer, praying in my heavenly language, just praying in tongues uh, to my father and uh, just taking communion and doing that for a, a while. And God said to me that you can't spell communion without union. So good. Oh, it's awesome. I think that's a quotable for the ages. Mm -hmm. And it was totally the Holy Spirit. Um so in my opinion, uh I mean, I see I mean, we've already talked about a couple communion has a different couple different facets to it, but for me, and I'm sure you'd agree, uh the oneness that you are experiencing uh, with Jesus, um, I think that's like the top priority of communion, uh, being one in the spirit. I and I entirely agree with you, but mm -hmm. I also do think that the beauty of communion is like if you need to know about that healing, mm -hmm. like if the like if the revelation that you're lacking is being eternally forgiven. I just love that it just takes the place of of whatever you need, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So I think in like our situation where mm -hmm. we know that we're perfectly righteous and like we know that like God wants to heal us, then yeah, oneness is 100% the ultimate attainment. But the beauty of communion is that it can bring whatever revelation you need because it truly is just a, a centerpiece in the gospel. It really is. So I don't disagree. A little thought process here. That, or a little, oh, little, here we go. This is interesting though. Yeah. Would you go as far to say that holy communion equals oneness? Yes. So, because I was just about to say this earlier. I know what you're going to say. If you, listener, watcher, believer, <laughs> believer, uh, if, if, if you can understand mm -hmm. that you are one spirit with God, any theological disagreement or... Um, uh, conundra that you have in your heart about God loving you forever, forgiving you of all sins. He's never mad at you. Uh, if you can understand being one spirit with God, it takes care of all that. If, you're, if you are one with mm -hmm. Jesus, then that means God sees you how Jesus is. And is God mad at Jesus? No, of course not. 
So, wow, that is so interesting. And we did talk about that maybe mm. like, what, three months ago? I think so, Budgets. but I don't know if we said it exact. Like, I don't know if I had those connectors in that Not way. necessarily with communion. Yeah. But just Oh, like just one spirit. Yes. Having the understanding of oneness with God, mm -hmm. just making everything so much easier. Sincerely. Effortless. Not even easier, just natural. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, if, if somebody could somehow start with that, Mm -hmm. if, if someone could somehow be taught that from the beginning, I wonder how much, it, point, how much it yeah. would transform the way that they think. Because mm -hmm. then it would just be like, well, um, you're one with Jesus, so anything the, the way that you think God is towards Jesus, that's how he is towards you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you'd read in the word that seems contradictory. Totally. You would know, well, that's not true because I'm one with Jesus. Mm. Very accurate. Okay, I was totally going to go on a side journey in Ephesians. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Because it's super relevant for what we're talking about. Amen. Remember when we were in the Chick-fil-A parking lot and we were almost talking about like the progression of Revelation? Yeah. That's what I was going to go to. But realistically, you guys, I feel like the Holy Spirit doesn't work like this. He just works like this. Yeah. So. Pretty gangster. So screw that thought. That was stupid. I'm probably religious. Amen. I'm just kidding. I know people who believe that, and it's totally cool. So I don't mean anything by it. Um, one thing I really want to get into, unless you have more stuff to say about. Being one with the Lord. I mean, obviously. I, I had some scripture in mind. Do it, please. Oh, man, I just. Uh, uh, so John 17. Um, if you have watched me and Mr. Me and Mr. Blake Helm. I would love to have him on the podcast again just For to real. talk about John 17 mm -hmm. again because I feel like there was still so much more to say, and we both love that chapter so much, and he really loves that chapter. Mm -hmm. I, I wish that I spent as much time in that chapter as he has. Dude, every time you bring up something about the word, he, ev without fail, will be like, yeah, John 17, blah, blah, this, this, this. <laughs> and it's like, dang, how does, every, how does every conversation topic end up back to John 17? It's Sincerely. crazy. Sincerely. So I counted this a couple days ago, five times. Jesus' last prayer for everyone that would ever believe on him, five times he says, I want them to be one just as we are one, Father. Mm -hmm. That was his last prayer. You know, uh, the, 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 the things that people do lastly mm -hmm. really define something. You know? The, the, the last time uh, I knew I was going to be living in Georgia, you know, uh, what was the last thing you said to an ex when you were breaking up to them? Mm -hmm. Like that, what's the last line of the movie? You know, what's the last note of the song? It really determines a lot. You know, I also just want to point out that Jesus, loving, beautiful Jesus, um, what did he decide to do for his very last night on earth? Man, he just wanted to enjoy a meal with his best friends. That's what Jesus wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you guys, Jesus loves to eat. <laughs> it's such an applicable term. He's a foodie. He is, bro. Mm -hmm. I, I believe we're going to eat in heaven All in the time. some way, shape, or form. All the time. Even if we don't need it for nutrients. But anyways, John 17. So yeah, yeah. The last thing he says, I want them to be one just as we are one. And I... I've read John 17 in the Passion Translations many times, but uh, 
man, this one verse, verse 22, blew me away. I've looked at it probably four times today, three or four times. Like I just open it up and I look at it and I put it back in my pocket because I'm just like, man, that's a freaking awesome verse. I'm going to start from verse 21. This is Jesus. He says, I pray for them all, who, everyone who's ever going to believe on Jesus ever, he says. I pray for them all to be joined together as one as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. And then verse 22 is what I'm really getting at here. For the very glory you have given me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one. What's the glory that Jesus is talking about in John 17? It's the fact, you know, what is eternal life? John 17, 3, uh, this is eternal life, that you would know mm -hmm. Jesus and the Father. Yep. Uh, you'd, that word know, if you've listened here before, you, we know that the word know, it means like an intimate experiential knowledge. Mm -hmm. That's what eternal life is. And uh, the way that God does life is through unity. The glory that Jesus experienced was the fact that he could have relationship with God, his Father, that was the the center of his whole life of 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 life ever period uh humans judge life by organic is your blood pumping are you breathing but god judges life by is my spirit in you for us to be able to be one in fellowship so jesus says for the glory you have given me i have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy being one spirit is about being able to have friendship with god at any moment for the rest mm -hmm. of eternity and beyond mm -hmm. man i couldn't agree more i just wanted to bring up a couple of scriptures please do one in first corinthians one in second corinthians um I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast that I've really been trying. I really, I sought out to look into the Trinity, but man, I feel like every scripture I come across is so like inclusive of me. It's like, it's almost hard to find something that's objective about the Trinity. It's crazy. So uh, I mentioned that, you know, he, that who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. That's first Corinthians six right at the end, and then at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 8, so I almost look at it as like in the same breath, you know, Paul's like really just grooving here. Um, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. It says, But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. So I looked into the Greek, and basically, like to summarize this, this word in it can mean in, but honestly, in this situation, there is another definition, and it says among, and I just think that that is, like, such an accurate picture. It's not separate from in. It just is, like, a, a clearer meaning to me. Mm -hmm. So basically, it just says, like, we are among the Trinity because of what Christ has done for us. Whew. Crazy. That's absolutely crazy. That's so good. And then um, over in 2 Corinthians 3, we'll say 18, um, basically uh, Paul's just going into like, um, hey, you guys are trying to read the law of Moses, but you still have a veil because like people aren't 
looking at it through what Christ has done. Like, that's basically the point. And then, you know, it's a very popular verse, verse 17. It says, the Lord is a spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then uh, verse 18, I just think it's so awesome. It says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass, which is actually a really poor translation. It means mirror. So with open face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that word glory, when it says that you're looking into a mirror, the glory of God, it literally means majesty. It means something belonging to God. Just, Mm -hmm. I mean. An exalted state. Yes, but like the most exalted state. Mm -hmm. Like almost like you're the CEO of heaven, bro. Like you can't go any higher. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just feel like it's so clear. And I feel like the more that I read Paul's writings, he's just like, this is what he's constantly trying to hammer home. Like Mm -hmm. apart from obviously dispelling the law, I feel like getting people set free from the veil of the law is what he's setting them free from, but he's setting them free to oneness. Mm. Like it's not just grace. This is what we've been learning is it's, you know, we're eternally forgiven. Freaking best news I've ever heard in my life. The gospel. Yeah, but that's the door, you guys. That's like the key that unlocks all of the other grace that God has to offer you. It doesn't just stop there. If that's the only revelation that you get in your lifetime, you're going to be super happy and it's going to be dope. You're going to heaven. Yeah. Uh, You probably believe in better than 99% of Christians. But I just want you to know that like the grace of God, it is inexhaustible. What is it? John 15? Grace upon grace. John one sixteen. Thank you. Okay. John one sixteen. It literally says that like God gives us grace upon grace. Like it's just never ending. If you think that a infinite God has a finite amount of grace to give you and a finite amount of ways to extend that grace to you, you're thinking too small. Hey Blake. <laughs> Is it Bluetooth? Hello. Oh, well. Can work? I don't know. Hey, Blake. (laughs) I can't hear you, Blake. It's silent. I don't know if you have Bluetooth on or something. All right. <laughs> you cool. can't have this podcast, devil. <laughs> just kidding. That's a Raymond quote. I'm just kidding. Can I say that? I don't know if we say that. You said it <laughs> oh, now. Well. Oh, well. He'll call back if he really needs it. Okay. Anyways, going right off the same vein of what you just said, which was all freaking just, yeah, grace is not this. I, I sat in a class and learned about grace. And I learned nothing about grace. Nothing. Less than nothing. Oh, it's The pitiful. opposite of grace. It was so bad. Uh, if you just, if your little theological box of grace is unmerited favor, you know, <laughs> you know, of course I know what grace is. <laughs> you know, if that's where you're stopping, uh, you're missing Jesus. Um, I mean, you're going to figure it out because in Colossians 2, it says, uh, I believe it's Colossians 2, it says that he's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace in the world to come. Well, if grace is just unmerited favor uh, and grace is just this thing that covers sins, then why would you need it in eternity? That's really good. 
Just saying, you don't need forgiveness of sins in eternity. You don't need unmerited favor in eternity because there's nothing opposing you. So you, everything, mm-hmm. your desires are fulfilled in Christ. Mm-hmm. So uh, grace is so, and I heard for so long, people that understood grace, I said, man, grace is just so deep. It goes so much deeper than what you think. And I was always like, what does that mean, Holy Spirit? I'm like, what does that mean? Are these people, are they in a ditch? I'm like, what's what's that really mean? But totally agree. Grace is just uh, really a better word for grace is influence. And mm. man, we could get into all that stuff, but I don't want to at the moment because mm-hmm. it's will completely change topics. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. So let's kind of ring this in here for the people. Um, we're talking, this, all this has to do with being one in the spirit, which is mm-hmm. um, really the highest message that communion brings when you're taking it. Um, it's it's you saying when you eat that bread, when you when you drink that wine, it is you saying, uh, I have crushed my old life. Mm-hmm. I have tossed it away. And now, Jesus, I take your life on the inside of me. It's like if you had a clear glass filled with Coke, you know, that's what you look like before you were born again. You just pour all that out, and then you fill it with water all the way to the top, mm-hmm. and it's overflowing. That is what it looks like. When you, when you lose your life, you become born again. And then he just, you know, uh, Jesus said, rivers of living water from the inside out is what your life's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, that's awesome. And one other thing I just want to say <clears throat> about, like, in this particular vein is that it's almost, uh, so you know how baptism, like, it's not necessary to be saved, but it's mm-hmm. just this picture of, like, hey, mm-hmm. I died with Very you. Very good parallel. And I'm risen to you, you know? Uh, that's just a way that I feel about communion. Even if some of this is too much for you to get into and, you know, it's just not something that you can see at the moment, if you take anything else away, it's just this, it's just a symbolism of your union with Christ. I know that what we said before can just be kind of deep for people. So just, I just don't want anyone to throw this out and just be like, that obviously I can't partake in communion. You're too spiritual for me. If you can be baptized, you know, you can take communion. Wow. And the beauty of it is, even if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Actually, Mm -hmm. the answer isn't not do it. The Mm -hmm. answer is do it because that's what's going to bring revelation. I guarantee I had absolutely no idea what baptism meant when I got baptized in the 10th grade. I had no clue, but I partook of it. That's real life. I remember so I got baptized at Rama like three years ago, I think. And I was baptized once when I was a kid, but Doesn't I don't count. even know if I was saved. Yeah, I don't think I was because I hated God when I was a teenager. But um, I you know, had a baptism maybe three, four years ago. And when Healing Grace, maybe eight months ago, six months ago, they had baptisms for other people. Do you remember that? I cried for every person. And we weren't even that, that involved really in the church special. yet. And that was your first time there. Was it? Yeah, your first time there. Okay. It, was a, it was a baptism service. Oh, wow. So I guess it's more like a year ago. But yeah, it was like the Lord just opened a, a baptism up to me. And it was like, bruh, I could just see in the spirit. Just it was like 
we were in the throne of heaven and there were angels surrounded and God was just looking down and it was just like, man, like, it's just like you could just feel like these people were just dead. And then they came up and it was just like seeing Christ, bro. I cried for every person. Mm -hmm. It was insane. But so, yeah, three years later, and I was like, wow, I finally get baptism. <laughs> that was incredible. And watching the kids do it, holy crap. I'm going to lose it when we have a kid and they get baptized. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Wow. Just prepared. I could baptize them in my tears. That would be probably that much water. Yeah. It's so special. <sighs> so, yeah, don't be afraid, uh, scared about not uh, taking it unworthily, which uh, is a pretty good segue. I'm going to try to call Blake one more time. Okay. Cool. I'm going to get my scripture back over Please here. do. Hello? Yeah, I don't think your phone's still working. Let me try to FaceTime me. He said his phone wasn't working. Oh, like he texted? Yeah. Okay. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. They're going to say, oh, mighty ones. <laughs> and all <laughs> that is within me. Bless. Sounds like a machine gun. Bless his. Hello? Hey, uh, we're doing a podcast right now. That's so funny. I just got off work and I felt like I should call. <laughs> hey, uh, what do you what do you think of John 17? Oh my goodness. How where do I start with John 17? Is that what you guys are talking about? <laughs> Naturally, we were doing something on uh, communion, and it just morphed into oneness because uh, life. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, we'll probably be talking for another thirty minutes or so, so I can just call you back after that. Sweet. Okay. Awesome. Okay. I'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the podcast. Gang, gang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So that just proves to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Speechless. Literally. Yeah. Amen. All right. So. Uh, I'm just going to let you take the reins because I feel like you've studied this a lot more than I have. In truth, I feel like I really haven't studied this that much. I read it once like three months ago, and I feel like the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like, cool. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't really say I've gone in depth with this. But uh, before I get into the unworthiness, uh, Acts 27, which is no one probably has this highlighted in their Bibles. It's like kind of like a just scripture you read and never really think about again, at least I think. Um, so Acts 20, verse 7, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. So uh, I think in like the New Testament, communion is just this awesome excuse to hang out with your friends. The Bible says not to forsake the gathering of the brethren, and, and it's literally just showing like these people got together and they... The purpose of them coming together was to break bread. Mm. It wasn't for Paul's preaching. It wasn't for, you know, all these amazing things they were going to do, all the homeless people they were going to help. It was literally for the, the prophecies. <laughs> yeah, it was literally like they gathered together to celebrate the body and the spirit of Jesus. Mm. Um, and so that's, I think, what leads into 1 Corinthians 11. So I'm sure. Yeah, okay. Um, Unch. Unch. <laughs> Uh, uncultured yeah not podcast trained no not potty not. trained 
<laughs> oh man, that was by the spirit. Wow, he's so smart. Amen. I feel like our air just went off or something. Like yeah, I, it did. I hear. Okay, I hear more clearly. So if you've ever gone to church, you has ears to hear. I guarantee you that you've heard. Uh, you know, when they bring communion out once a quarter or on the first Sunday of the month and their little religious exercises, they probably quote yeah. 1 Corinthians 11. They sing the, uh, the blood of Jesus. Yeah, come to the uh, altar. Yeah. I'm just because kidding. He lives. Anyways. Yeah. No shame. We, you know, we're all brothers in Christ. Your God is merciful. Yeah. You're still going to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, you are. I'm kidding about the sassiness. <laughs> um, but... Uh, so uh, let's see. I'm not going to read. I like wrote down a huge amount of this, like almost the whole chapter. Just so go into it. A lot of people are going to say in church, like, you know, make sure you don't take this unworthily. You need to confess your every sin. I think in the Catholic church, it's even like you have to be like confirmed or something and like baptized maybe. I'm not Catholic. Yeah. But I know that like you can't even take communion until you're a certain age and until you meet like these requirements that the religious leaders have set for you. That's mm. heresies. So mm. it's like... I feel like there's a lot of, like, misinformation about this. Even in Christian churches, they're like, hey, we're going to give you, like, a few minutes of silence. Our worship band's just going to play. So you can just write your heart for this experience. So you can just confess your sins, repent, you know, get the blood over what you've done this week so that you can partake of this communion. And it's all just stemming from a horrible misrepresentation of this scripture. Nowhere else is it even mentioned that you can unworthily take communion so don't quote i'm like 99 percent sure that it's nowhere else but so it's like an entire doctrine is formed i don't think it's i don't think it is i just didn't want to be wrong and have like some person commenting no. like, to in my Peter. knowledge yeah. and if i don't know it <laughs> clearly yeah um but so it's just oh it's just always bothered me and honestly it was one of those things that i never even questioned i never looked into it it just seemed right and the reason being is because context. The first rule of Bible interpretation, they'll teach you that even in religious circles, that you need to look at context or you have no idea what the scriptures are talking about. And then they won't look into context and then teach you the scriptures. Yes, exactly. Man, there's a scripture. It's Psalm 14 or 15, but it says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. If you took that out and you just said there is no God, you could literally say that the Bible says that God doesn't ah. exist. And then you could form a doctrine about it. Mm -hmm. It's stupid. Okay? So... I'm just going to read it all because we're big boys and it's a podcast. So yeah. hopefully you guys are going to focus in. I mean, we're an hour in. So if you're not sticking around for the last 30 minutes, then I don't know why you even clicked on the video. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what it says. We'll start. So this is 1 Corinthians 11. We'll start at 17. So it says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. So obviously, I just have to say to you as a preface, uh, the Corinthian church, they did a lot of crap wrong. So Paul, a lot of his letters are rebuking. Mm -hmm. It's just true. So mm -hmm. that's kind of why he's leading in this way. He's like, you know, I have no praise for you, basically. Like, I'm not saying that you're doing this right. So he says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. What do believers do? They gather to break bread. We just saw that. In the first place, I hear that you come together as a church, and there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. And as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. So what he's saying here is you guys come together to break bread and you think that you have to have differences among you so that because it's very old covenant 
uh, we just learned this actually that old covenant you know do good get good so those who were rich those who were prosperous they were considered to be the most holy mm. and a lot of churches now and then still have issues with being very old covenant mm -hmm. and so he's saying you think that you need to have distinctions among you um to show which of you have god's approval we obviously know that god is no respecter of person so this is not what this is saying he's saying that this is what they think and he says that when you get when you come together you're not even having communion when you eat you have your own supper you're eating a ton of bread the the brother next to you is starving you're getting wasted off of wine and he can't even partake in the lord's supper with you and then he says, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. This is a spanking, bro. Yeah. Paul's like putting the hammer down. And you know what? Pause just for a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jesus still loves every single person. Yes. Um, I actually probably believe, I don't know. This is like kind of an out there thing, but I believe that the body of Christ administers discipline in a way that the head of Christ does not. It's just my personal experience, mm -hmm. opinion. I believe the body is supposed to do this, but I believe even some things that Paul said is not the way that the Lord would say them to you as an individual in your heart. I don't entirely disagree. I will say, though, I also feel like the Lord, sorry, heartbreak, um, the Lord can deal so gently with people who listen, but honestly, like, if you, it's like, okay, your kid is next to you, right, and they are throwing food around, you're just like, hey, don't do that, and they're like, oh, your kid is out in the street he's very far away from you can't really hear you and i'm not saying far away from you in the spirit i'm just saying a car is coming and you might have to yell hey stop mm -hmm. you can't just tap his hand and say like you know um hey don't do that because he's not going to hear you and i just feel like if believers have spent so much time kind of almost rejecting the leading of the holy spirit and kind of uh filling their ears with other things so it's hard to hear their shepherd's voice. I mm -hmm. think sometimes he does have to speak a little more authoritative, but I do think that that is through his body. Do you he, agree with that? I don't know. I completely agree, and I, I think it's totally a heart posture. It's, yeah. a, it's a thing of how did he deal with Martha? Martha, Martha. How did he deal with Peter? Get behind me, Satan. I'm Real just life. saying uh, my big brother, Jordan, Mom told him to stop doing something. Hey, stop that. Okay, he stopped. Me, she told me to stop doing something. Mm -hmm. um, kept doing it. Did it more. And then it wasn't to stop it or I'm going to spank you. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't until that. I think it's just the Lord has to deal. If you're a hard religious Pharisee, how did Jesus deal with the hard religious Pharisees? You fools. Mm -hmm. you're, you were like whitewashed tombs, yeah. you know. He buried them under the law. Yeah. But that's the thing, too, is I feel like if Paul, if the so it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So if men in their own selves could not see the goodness of Jesus and, you know, kind of shrink away and repent from the things that they were doing, then you have to think that they were probably being kind of religious about it. And in that case, Paul's coming and he's like, you want to do this stuff? Like, you think that you're good enough? Like, you think that you're holy? Here's the law. 
Because yep. that's really the method that Jesus used. He was never, yep. it's never out of contention. It's never out of anger. He loves you unconditionally. But if you're somewhere, if you're in the middle, if you're lukewarm, if you're not living uh, perfectly by the finished work of Jesus and just believing that you're good with him alone, if you're living AKA under grace, yes, if you're living under the law and you're not totally living under the law mentality, if you're mixing covenants and you think it's your work and the grace of God, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. That's the lukewarmness that Revelation mm -hmm. 3 talks about. Mm -hmm. Basically, just to talk about that, because this is another misquoted scripture um in in churches it's revelation three fifteen. it says that god says i would rather you be hot or cold but because you're lukewarm i spew you out of my mouth and people teach this as god would literally rather you not you even get on fire for god yeah god would rather you not even be a christian than be a christian and not produce good works in your life it makes him sick no, this is not Wrong. what this is talking about. Wrong. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I feel like I lost my place. This happens in our life all the time <laughs> where day. I'll be like on fire for something. I make a meme. And then I'm like, cool, I lost it. So Thank you, you were saying Satan. Revelation three. <laughs> Get behind me, <laughs> Satan. I'll do anything You're for your you. You're your father, the devil. <laughs> Uh, you were saying right, people I, teach it as that. Totally. So like he's not saying that you're lukewarm because you don't do enough for God. That's crap. He doesn't look at your works anyways. He sees you by the spirit. What he's saying is that hot is being on fire for the Lord, soaking in his love, understanding grace that you suck, that your righteousness, your best things are as filthy rags. That is being hot. Being cold is being under the law because the entire purpose of the law was that you would get to the end of yourself and that you would realize you can't do a single thing. Mm -hmm. If you transgress in one part, you transgress in all of it. So the purpose of the law, he's saying, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Cold being, you come to the end of yourself. If you're 100% under the law, you realize you can't fulfill it and there, uh, therefore, you know that you can't be cold anymore, so then you have to be hot. Yep. It's the only way that you can come to the end of yourself. But if you believe in the finished work of Jesus as your foundation and then uh, you know, abiding by the Ten Commandments, you know, uh, giving your 10%, doing this, this, and this so that you're approved by God, then you're lukewarm, you're mixing the covenants, and God can't get to you that way because you think that Jesus saving you is not enough. You think that the blood of Jesus could not eternally forgive you, so you have to repent and you have to do all these good works, and it puts you in this lukewarm state so that you're not coming to the end of yourself and you're not coming into the fullness of who you are. It's crap. And so Amen. that's what I feel like pisses Paul off more than anything else because, you know, he says, oh, foolish Galatians, because they're believing in a mixture of covenants. Stupid Galatians, Seriously. So, you know, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, so I just feel like that's the case here, is that he has to be saying this to these people because they're lukewarm. They are not doing things the way that they should because they're still living under the law. Exactly. So just to sum everything up, Jesus always presents grace and love and unconditional love and oneness with him. He presents that to every heart. But when you get hard-hearted people like me and Kylie, uh, it wasn't until the prodigal son was in the mud eating the pig's food that he realized, I could go back to my father's house. Mm -hmm. uh, this is what Jesus did. This is what God did. Scripture reference in this same epistle, 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the strength of sin is the law. If somebody isn't receiving grace and truth, 
And God is long-suffering, man. He is patient. He does that for so long. Jesus, Paul, God the Father, they'll spank you with the law because they know that's how you're going to get it. It's not his first option. It's not even the option he really wants to do, but he knows mm-hmm. it's the only option that will get through to you. So I just yeah. really wanted to um, shine a light on that before totally. people think, oh, the Bible's so harsh, Paul's so harsh, you know. Mm-hmm. This, you know, because this is what turns people off from religion. But you guys got to understand context. You got to understand the heart of Jesus when you read any scripture. So Totally. You need the lens. And I just want to say, too, because that just makes me think of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Jesus, and he was Good like— Good rapper name. Hey, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Uh, they came to Jesus and he was like, hey, what must I do to, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, you know the commandments. And then the I've dude's like, them all. yeah, he's like, I've kept all of these for my youth. My youth. You liar. Not a single day goes by that you keep all of these. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like church just skips over this and they're like, oh, wow, he was such a holy man. And then Jesus comes and he's like, sell everything you have. And then these doctrines. Yeah. That's and, the it. That's the end of the story. Yeah. And then these doctrines come that like, you know, you can't really be prosperous if you, you know, if you have a coat, but your friend doesn't have a coat, you have to give the coat and be cold. And otherwise, you know, blah, blah, blah. God's it's just not going to bless you. Yeah. It's like another commandment. But no, like Jesus said, like sell everything you have because he had to penetrate his heart. This man came thinking that he was holy enough on his own. And Jesus like, you really think so? Let me show you what the law looks like. Bam, and sucker. And he walked away. He left. He couldn't do it. Yeah. He realized he wasn't holy, bro. So that's just, I feel like, the tactic Paul uses quite often because I think Paul is a lot like Brock and I. We're pretty harsh. We can, not harsh. We're Yeah, we're pretty harsh. We're just blunt. I'm going to teach you how to fish, but I'm not going to fillet it for you. If you want it, have it. If not, starve. That's how I feel. Yeah, we are, uh, do, what was the plant thing you said about the... Oh, <laughs> we are succulent people. Some people want to own ferns, and you water a fern every day, and you have to set it in the right spot in the sunlight, but not too much sun. It has to be in the shade. And then you have to see, oh, what color are its leaves? Are they a little dry? You have to poke the soil. You have to see how much moisture it is. And you have to just make sure you give it the perfect amount of water. Some people are like that. Kudos to them. The body of Christ needs them. I want a succulent. I want to sit it here. I want to water it once a month, and I want it to thrive on its own. That's just how I feel. Yeah. And while we're on the topic, uh, yeah, um, people don't understand that different bodies of Christ do things differently. Yes. Uh, this is how we are. We are about to start our church. Uh, we're going to be pastors. Um, of course, when you're in a pastor position, um, you're definitely going to nurture people. You know, you're the yes. shepherd. They are the sheep. Uh, not saying that, but the way that we nurture people is hey, here's the word of God. If you really want it, come and get it. Like, mm-hmm. I know this is such an offensive comment, and I haven't said this to you yet, but I'll say it now. Uh, I'm not going to have um, disabled parking at the front of my church. I think you have to legally. Screw that. <laughs> I'm not doing it. If a man can get through a crowd of people and get his four homies to bring him up on top of a house just so he can penetrate the top of the house so Mm -hmm. that he can get through to get Jesus to heal him, Mm -hmm. then if uh, disabled parking at the front of my church stops a crippled person from coming, then I'm sorry, they don't care that much. They want an easy Jesus. And Jesus is easy. Jesus is easy. Uh, uh, what's that rapper's name? Jeezy. <laughs> I was thinking Jeezy. 
Amen. <laughs> um, Jesus is easy. He's so simple, bro. You just you get a revelation of his grace, and then you respond mm-hmm. out of a heart of love, of, of faith, and boom, the connection's made, and mm-hmm. things will flow so easily. But um, I, this is just how we are. I, I uh, yeah, we're succulent people. I don't know uh, if you want to learn, if you want to come to my house every night for three hours and talk the word with me, I will do it, but I'm not going to chase you down for it. Jesus did not chase the rich young ruler down. Jesus let him go. That's real talk. And I just feel like, I know Brock and I's past isn't identical, but like I was into drugs. I hit a rock bottom and it was the rock bottom that motivated me to want to seek the Lord. And so it's like we as a church, we're like, oh, this brother, you know, he's he's fallen away. He's drinking. Let's just pray our peace on him and and love and let's visit him with meals and do all this stuff. And it's like, you know what you're doing? You're making it so this man cannot feel the full uh, measure and the full. I don't know what the word is, but wrath the full of wrath his sins. almost of the way that not like, from God, but from himself. Yeah, exactly. Not vertical, but horizontal. It's like, you know. If you get wasted and you go out and you do a bunch of crap that's stupid and then you end up in jail, it's not God's fault. He didn't put you there, but things are just going to happen. So I just feel like sometimes, to wrap it back, why were people like Paul? Sometimes people just need to hit their rock bottom. I'm not, you know, I don't know. No. I don't want to make anybody feel bad, but. To back this up scripturally, Jesus said to do this in Matthew 18. You know that uh, passage of scripture everybody likes to quote so much about where there be two or three, blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just, I've gotten pretty religious. Jesus said, if a person uh, does something wrong and he doesn't listen to you and he uh, doesn't listen to you and a friend and he doesn't listen to the elders of the church, Jesus said, kick him out. He's still born again, saved. He, he can still have fellowship with Jesus. God will talk to that man all day long. God's not moved by that. But Jesus said that and Paul it, it's in First Corinthians. It's in First. Cor- <laughs> There's so much in this epistle. It's in First Corinthians, uh, and uh, Paul said this to Timothy. He said, "Deliver that man, the man that was committing adultery with his either his stepmom or his mom." The scripture doesn't make it clear. Paul said, "Deliver that man unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh." What does that mean? He's not born again. No, uh, that man's still born again. He's sealed with the Holy Spirit. But Paul was saying. Uh, let that man feel the 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 full uh, recompense of his sins. This is what Jesus meant in John chapter twenty when he said, "You can remit sins and you can retain sins." So bringing it back to what you said, which was a great point, you know, uh, if you're if you're over here doing drugs and drinking and having sex and doing all this stuff, which God still loves you, you're stupid, but God loves you, stupid. Uh, we both did those things for a, a, a long time. And, uh, you know, we're not knocking anyone. Uh, if that's where you're at and you need Jesus' help, please, man, just, you know, come to the altar. Uh, that's awesome. But, um, you know, if you have a person like that and then a whole church full of people is just praying, God, we just pray that he just feels your love and your peace and your joy. Um, and then you're wondering why they're not coming to church because they're over here doing all these sins and you're over there interceding for them. Uh, allowing peace and love and joy to flow into their lives. So they're having sex, they're doing drugs, they're cheating, committing adultery, whatever you want to say. They're doing all that stuff, and they're having fun, and they're feeling the love of God, and they're feeling grace from Jesus. 
This is scriptural. I just named off about five scriptures before all that. So you should go check it out before you theologically disagree. Yeah. But And you know what's crazy too? It's like it, through all of that, the Holy Spirit is not convicting that person. Nope. All he is saying nope. is, I love you. I think you're amazing. I don't care that you had sex with that prostitute. I love living inside of you. Honestly, because the Spirit of God convicts the world of sin, but he convicts the believer of his righteousness. Wow. It is God always speaking good things over you. But if people in the church are praying peace over you, your own conscience will not condemn you. People, whether they like to admit it or not, even the atheists down the street, they have a moral compass and they know what's right or wrong. So people standing in that position for them and praying that their soulish realm would not be influenced because that's what it is. You always feel the peace of God in your spirit. If they're praying peace, it's peace on their emotions and their mind. They're paying, yep. praying peace in the soulish realm. They are not going to discern their own soul convicting them. Wow. And what you also just said brings back to that very first point that I said that I believe the head is not administering the thing that the hand is. Because the head, which is Christ, Jesus, he's constantly saying in your spirit, I love you. You're perfect to me. But yet Paul gave specific instructions. Even Jesus himself gave specific instructions on how to deal with stuff. And uh, so it seems like it's a contradiction, but it's not. It's the body of Christ uh, disciplining the other parts of the body, mm -hmm. which isn't wrong. That's super scriptural. Uh, and it's just also, too, I love the metaphor. God is standing there with an umbrella. It's raining outside. You're under it, bro. But if you step outside of that, you're going to get wet. It's not God punishing you. He still loves you. He's still standing there with the umbrella. In fact, he's following you with that umbrella. Yeah, he's still trying. He is. But if you're Unless just giving he him, knows. If you're giving him the hand, bro. I mean, come on. You know, God still loves you. But I just feel like believers have to stop being in this, like, ditch of grace to where they just think that nothing that they do affects anything. It does. Like, what you do affects you. It just doesn't affect God. And they think that a... um. A sharp rebuke is condemnation. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Paul knew people were perfect in the spirit. He's one that wrote most of those words. Mm -hmm. And yet he rebuked people all the time, man. Mm -hmm. He called people stupid. And I'm not saying that just gives you a license to call anybody stupid. Paul called people who mixed covenants stupid. That's There's a very specific um, way to use that. And, you know, totally. you're not just walking around calling everybody stupid that uh, mm. disagrees with your theological point. but uh, 100%. And that just goes right along with the whole thing of like, there is not a single thief, adulterer, homosexual, whatever, in hell because of those titles. People are in hell because they reject Jesus. So it's, you can't just call people stupid. I mean, there is a very pointed reason. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Sorry. But just for people being, no, yeah. you know, You're disagreeing so with the finished work of the cross. That was what pe what Paul rebuked. He didn't rebuke. I don't know. Good enough. God Amen. loves you. Okay. First Corinthians eleven. Yeah. Sorry, that was I'm a huge change. I'm gonna check the camera. Just while you go. Okay. Did your thingy go out? Um. Yeah. Just on my computer, but the camera should be good. Okay. Cool. So, uh, basically, what we said before we went on that 15 minute tangent. Word. <laughs> yeah. Um. Was basically that there were people that were trying to partake of the Lord's supper. But because some people were eating too much or getting drunk, other people went hungry and people couldn't even like enjoy the Lord's Supper with people. And so um, so Paul's like, uh, let me see, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's like, don't you have a house to drink in? 
Like, or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Paul's just like breaking down the Lord's Supper because he's basically like, okay, apparently you guys need a lesson on what this is actually all about. <laughs> and so um, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats this bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink, discer uh, eat and drink judgments on themselves. And then he goes on, but I want to pause. So contextually, he comes and he says, um, so then whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. What is the unworthy manner? Is it all this sin in your life? No. Didn't he just say what he was so pissed off about in the beginning part? He's angry because people are not taking communion properly. They're letting their brother starve. They're flaunting their wealth. They're getting drunk. They're doing things in excess. And they are... They're not t partaking of communion the way that God wanted them to. It has nothing to do with anything else that is going on in their life. And it says that everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Examine your motives is what he's saying, not examine the sin. There's, sin's not a problem anymore, you guys. It says that God has cast all sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Um, the Bible says so many times that once and for all, Christ took all of your sin on him and you live in eternal forgiveness and righteousness. Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, Hebrews chapter 8, uh, their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Exactly. So this examination, this is simply examining your motives in the part that he was talking about just five verses above. And then the last thing is that he says, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So this is kind of like a double entendre. Um, he says that if you eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ. So number one, he already told us what the body of Christ is. It's eating and drinking. So he's talking about communion. But I looked this word up in the Greek because I had a hunch. And it does turn out that this body, this word body could also mean the body as in the church. So he could, number one, be saying, Hey, if you're doing this in an unworthy manner, if you're eating and drinking without properly like uh, doing communion amongst your brethren, but then he's also saying like if you're doing this without discerning the body of Christ, aka discerning the other members of the body of Christ and whether or not they even have their own bread for communion, whether or not they're going hungry. I mean, this the perfect standard of of Christianity is still like, hey, if someone's hungry or thirsty, Jesus said it. If you clothe someone, if you feed someone, if you give someone drink, it's like you're doing it for me. So he's saying, look and see what the people in the body need. Like, how dare you get drunk while someone else can't even partake of the representation and the mm. symbolism of what Christ did for them. Mm. So when people are taking this out of context, I'm sorry, I'm like hunched, so I just need to like look this up. Yeah, go for it. So when people are like saying that what you have in your life is 
you partaking of this unworthily. It's just such a gross abuse and misinterpretation of the scripture. And then honestly, it goes down because uh, I think that I think that that covers it. If you still are unclear about this and you disagree with me, put a comment in there. We can talk about it. But I feel like that's pretty clear. Um, and then he just says after that, like, hey, you're eating and drinking judgment on yourselves, um, not from Christ. We just covered that in our bird walk. Um, but verse 30 says, this is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. We talked about that before, like communion and health, communion and just revelation. It is so just intermingled and intertwined. So I just wanted to read that verse. It's not the point of what we were talking about, but it's kind of interesting that he brings that up. Sorry, I'm just looking at verse 32. That's an interesting verse. Cool. So um, what are we doing on time? Because believe it or not, I still have things to say about communion. Probably almost at an hour 30, but... Maybe you could split it in two. Is that a thing? I don't have a ton more to say. I just don't want to not say what I still have because it's totally just about law. Yeah, uh, we should just keep going. I had one thought on this passage. Let's hear it. It's a different thought. It's a different course. But okay. you tell me what you think. Okay. What if, well, I don't know. To me, the only way that you could eat and drink the cup of the Lord unworthily, partake of the Holy Communion, is if you're not born again. That's an interesting thought. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Well, damnation only comes from not being born again. It's interesting. Uh, not discerning the Lord's body, uh, meaning not accepting the sacrifice of Jesus, mm -hmm. possibly. Absolutely. This cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. They're not, you know, maybe they're not even born again. That's dope. Interesting. I, I don't know. I think that could definitely fit in. For or sure. if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Who's we? The church. Uh, but when we are judged, we are chastened or disciplined of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. I don't know. It's just like a different thought. I've never thought about it. But uh, the damnation thing really stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, man, I thought you broke it down brilliantly, though. Appreciate you. Just the Holy Spirit. Like I said, read it once, and the Holy Spirit's like, mignon. And I'm like, for sure. Mignon. 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 So, um, dang, I just, oh, sorry, that gets me so whipped up. I just feel like I'm like warm yeah, now. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh. Sorry, when you said you wanted to turn up the air conditioning, I was like, nah. Yeah. We're gonna get hot. For sure. Steamy. <laughs> so um, let me just see real quick. Man, I just have so many. I think if it's okay with you, I would just like to end with the law covenant. So Go I'm just going to bring up two other points. So let's uh, go to Acts 2. I'm actually still, dang it. This mic. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, all you people listening. For taking of the podcast on Worthily. <laughs> Man, this, I love this. Okay. Where are we at? So it's Acts 2 42. And Acts 20, uh, I think it was 7, was where it was like, oh, like they came together specifically for the reason of breaking of bread. So this is the same book. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. I'm just not going to touch on that at the moment unless you think I should. The fear part? It's really not the point. It just means reverence. Thank you. 
Okay. And reverence for well, that God. that was easy. Reverence okay. of God came upon every soul. I thought we were going to have to bird walk again. Okay. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted uh, them to all men as every man in need. And they continuing daily mm. with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness. Um, the point actually that I wanted, I kind of read like a little far, but Brock got something which is cool and I would love to hear what you want to say about it. But um, it just says that um, they continued in the doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. And then it says that many wonders and signs were done among the apostles. So I just think it's so cool that communion is literally like placed up mm. there with like the greatest signs and wonders and miracles. Like if we were to go into Corinthians again and just talk about, you know, the gifts of the spirit and we mm. were to talk about all those things. I mean, honestly, like they're putting the breaking of bread right up there with all of the other miraculous wow. and amazing things that the Spirit has for you. How cool is that? That's awesome. Doctrine, fellowship with each other and God, and prayer, and then breaking of bread. Many wonders and signs, though, it says after that even. It's wow. like... I almost think the wonders and signs are a result. I agree They're just entirely. a fruit of That's uh, great. the root of breaking bread. As soon as I said it, I was like, wait... That was awesome. Totally agree. Wow. And isn't it interesting that the same thing that Paul was rebuking the Corinth church for, they are doing the opposite. They are providing good for every person. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's super good. You see what I'm saying? And look, at, and look at the wow. life and the results. And, and they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They were in unity. Wow. That is so good. And it's like, if you guys don't know the book of Acts super well, like when it says that they had all things in common, the way that the church, the early church operated was everybody brought their wealth and they put it in this big pool of money. This would be like equivalent to like the church now bringing their entire paycheck and giving it to the church. And then the church being like, oh, you need car repairs? Booyah. Oh my gosh, your house is being foreclosed on? Here's $200,000. And the person who gave their paycheck and maybe just got 10 bucks for bread and cheese is like, wow, this is great. You know, we're all just living, dang it with this mic. We're all just like- I need the little stands. Living with everything in common, I know. Living with everything in common. So it's like, man, that just, yeah, that singleness of heart. Everyone just had their needs taken care of and it didn't matter if someone's need was more expensive or more problematic than your need or whatever it was. They just, they were so unified. Yeah, that's such a beautiful picture. So cool. And then the church at Corinth, they're getting drunk while other people are starving. Those guys suck. I'm just kidding. Amen. <laughs> um, and so I want to go to Luke 22. What a news. Oh, my gosh. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> don't be. I feel like, well, that's it. I don't think my podcast listeners are really podcast listeners. What do you mean? Like, I think most people that would listen to this, they're not like, I listen to my other podcasts every day. You know what I mean? I feel it. But I don't know. Shoot us a comment. Are you a podcast listener? <laughs> so write me a really strongly emotion a strong emotional letter about it. Seven three four four South Garnet Road. A broken arrow. Uh seven four zero one two apartment. <laughs> I know. I'm like, why don't you give the email address? <laughs> they can't write a letter. To yeah, they could. They could it's do not it. That's cool. I expect. Uh, we need a PO a box. Telegram. Then. That's a little Downton Abbey. 
Um, well, my only like other thing uh, besides just what I want to get into lastly, which is the law, is that um, communion, which is so important, communion just keeps all of everything that we've mentioned today just totally fresh in your mind. It's mm. like, I feel like once you spend time in the scripture and you understand how it's linked to all of these different things, every time you take it, it's like your conscious mind doesn't even have to be like, okay, this, this, and this, and Acts, and then in Corinthians, and blah, 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 blah. It's just like you're taking it, and because you've spent time, it's just a constant reminder in your mind, in your heart, of like what you're doing. And I feel like it just solidifies those points deeper and deeper and deeper every time that you take it. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Totally. A thousand hundred million percent. Wow. You're pretty on my side. <laughs> a little biased. <laughs> so uh, last thing I want to talk about, because dang it, we are New Covenant people, so we can't just not talk about the law. The law. On this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be crazy. Wow. Oh my gosh. Can we go over to Matthew 9? Yeah. So um, this is another super awesome facet of um of uh communion uh the bread okay okay so we've identified let me go over a couple things here uh i kind of think it is in three categories for me you have blessed burp uh you have the bread and the wine you have the bread representing um your old identity uh, the sinful you that was crushed and now has gone away, and you have the wine representing the new you, the 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 resurrected you. Uh, you know, there's that aspect. There's the man, uh, his body and his blood in me, the oneness factor. It's him abiding in me and me abiding in him. And then the last facet that I kind of think about it as um, the bread. Uh, represents that old covenant that cr- is crushed in your mouth and it is dissolved away um, because it says that uh, Jesus through his flesh, uh, he, uh, all sin, he took it upon his flesh and then his flesh was died away. He killed death and sin. And then so that's the old covenant and, and the breaking of his body and then the new covenant is his wine. Uh, it mm-hmm. is his blood, you know, what does he say to his disciples? Take this, this is the blood of the new covenant, the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hebrews says, without the blood, there is no remissions of sins. And uh, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9, uh, the disciples of John, uh, uh, the Pharisees come to the disciples of John saying, uh, why do we... And the Pharisees fast often, but thy disciples fast not, you know, super religious. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as the bridegroom Mm -hmm. is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. Uh, No man puts a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up takes from the garment, and the rent is made worse. I know that's really King Jamesy, but uh, he tells that parable short parable in verse 16 and in verse 17 he says he's uh so jesus is making the same point with everything he's saying uh, jesus is very connected it's not random at all he's a genius in the way he delivers things verse 17 is neither do men put new wine into old bottles else the bottles break 
and the wine runs out and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved. Jesus is saying, if you are going to try and uh, have mixed the old covenant with the new covenant, it says uh, uh, both of those things are going to perish. You are going to feel condemned, unworthy, mm -hmm. not loved by the Lord. And uh, the old covenant is only designed, the law is only designed to function properly if you're doing everything right, which you can't do. And so the covenant itself is at fault. The old covenant is at fault. That's what God says in Hebrews chapter 8. It says he found fault with the old covenant, and he wanted to bring in a new and a better way, a new and living way, which is grace. Uh, law and grace are 180 degrees. They are opposite. They do not go together. There's not 90% grace and 10% law. There's not 50% law, 50% grace. No, this is what Kali was talking about. When you try to live a lukewarm life, you're saved by grace, but now I've got to work to be healed, and uh, I haven't been praying enough and in and, and the Word and praying in tongues. I can't be healed. I can't prosper. Uh, no, as you have received Christ Jesus, walk ye therefore in him, Colossians 2.6. Jesus is saying, if you're trying to li uh, uh, live lukewarm, mixing covenants, then uh, you're not going to experience the glory of the, of the old covenant, which can't be fulfilled in you, and you're not going to experience the glory of the new covenant of grace, the old covenant and the new covenant, because you're mixing these things. Uh, he's talking about being lukewarm, but he says if you take this wine, his blood, uh, which represents grace, mm -hmm. uh, if you take it and you put that new wine, that's what the, that's what the Bible calls um, the new covenant. It says that it's new wine, baby. You know, uh, when the, in that same chapter of Acts chapter 2, when the disciples were doing that, when the day of Pentecost came, uh, people thought they were drunk. They said they were drunk off a new wine. Uh, but if you take that new wine, you take grace, and you put it into the new covenant uh, yourself, you're the bottle. You're the, you are the bottle. Uh, you are the wineskin. Uh, it says both are preserved. When you, when you let grace, uh, Jesus is full of grace. That word full means up to the top. You can't fit anything else in it. When you let... Uh, you're a, it's like I said with that uh, water, uh, with that pouring the coke out and having the water pull up to the top, pour up all the way to the top and overflow. And when you allow that to happen, both are preserved, says Jesus. Awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad that you talked about the wineskins because uh, that was one of the points. The other point I wanted to talk about, and then I think I'm cool. Swag. Because um, I have to pee so bad. Swag money. I'm crossing my legs. I'm about to potty dance. Um. So wine is just such an awesome symbol of the new covenant. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's unmistakable. Like there's yeah. a lot of things in the Old Testament where it's like, well, this is a type and shadow. And you're kind of like, well, this point doesn't line up. And this point's a little off, but you can clearly see it, right? But like wine is like unmistakable. Anytime you see that, like, you know. So it's awesome. Um, in John 2... This is actually recorded as Jesus' first ever miracle. So you might have heard the story. Jesus, his friends, him and his mom, they're at this wedding. They're all just hanging out. They're fellowshipping. And his mom comes to him, and she's like, hey, like they ran out of wine. 
And Jesus is kind of like, what does that have to do with me? Like, you know that my time hasn't come yet. Like, wow, you know, she influenced his heart. She super did. And that's like how it works, wow. man. We're just in a big sphere of influence with the Trinity. It's dope. Um, but so, you know, he's just kind of joking with her, whatever. And then his mom, just being a mom, uh, just being a woman, really, because we do what we want to do, it seems like. Um, his mother said, this is verse 5, his mother said unto the servants, do whatsoever he says to you. And verse 6 says, there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, uh, containing two or three firkins apiece. So that's just like a measurement. But so basically, um, what these Jews would do, and they actually one time rebuked Jesus because his disciples weren't like washing their hands before they ate, right? It was like this stupid tradition that the Pharisees had done to make themselves clean. But so there's these six water pots, and it says that it was for the manner of purifying the Jews. So these waters uh, were literally for washing people. What's funny is that the number six is the number of man. Uh, You guys might be familiar with 666. It's the mark of the beast because it's like just this symbol of basically like humanity and like kind of fallenness, imperfection, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So there are six water pots, the number for man, and in it are filled water where people are just trying to wash themselves and get themselves clean what else is crazy is that these pots are made of stone okay Mm. and we know that like the the law it was written on stone stone is almost always a symbol of the old covenant pretty much exclusively i've never seen a time it hasn't been i super agree so basically you have in front of all of these jews this water uh them trying to get themselves clean based on the law and their own works. And Jesus says to them, fill the water pots with water. And what he, and they, it says that they fill it up to the brim. And I feel like that just represents like, it was the fullness of time. Like it was the time for Jesus to come, like people's works, you know, it was just, um, people were so dependent on the law. Like the law had almost like served its purpose, if that makes sense. Like it, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was like the fullness of time. And yep. then he said to them, to and then he said to them, draw it out. And basically what happened is that this, these water pots, the symbol of people trying with their own efforts to make themselves clean enough for God was turned into wine in an instant. God, Jesus took everything and he turned it into wine. And I just feel like it's no accident that he had the Last Supper with wine because it was like his final thing of saying like, hey, The old covenant is gone. You look at the bread. The bread is what you take first. In Exodus 16, I believe, I think it's verse 4 it starts, God talks about how um, he's giving manna to the Israelites. He's just raining manna down while they're in the wilderness for like 40 years. No, that's not accurate. I think it was two years. And then they got sick of it. They murmured and they started giving quail. But all these people would even have to do was like go out and collect it. And Jesus says in John 6, he says, I am the bread from heaven. So I feel like what happens first in this communion is that people partake of this bread and it simultaneously, I feel like, represents like the old covenant of God providing, but kind of in a different way. And then Jesus coming is like the fulfillment of that bread. Because a lot of people will teach like, oh, like they still had to gather it, it's works. God rained it down. They didn't have to harvest any wheat. They didn't have to dry anything or stomp anything mm-hmm. out. They didn't have to like beat this and get the olive oil and put it together and bake it. God rained it down, okay? It's clearly a symbol of effortlessness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the bread is first. It's that It's that new covenant. It's Jesus. And then after all of this, you take the wine where Jesus has just purified your every work, completely changed it. And that is 
what you partake in when you take communion. It is a complete declaration, dispellation. You dispel, I don't think that that's a word. You dispel what the old covenant was and you just partake of what the new covenant is every time. And when you do that, what's the next step? The water turned to wine. What's the next thing that happens when you understand what Kylie just said? What happens? Draw it out now. Go give it to somebody else. Wow, that's good. You just can't even resist. Hey, have you heard of Jesus? Did you know he's not mad at you? Wow, that's uh, so good. Did you know that he made you completely perfect in the spirit? Uh, man. That's so good. What else is cool is in verse 11, it says that this, uh, this was the beginning of miracles, and it says his disciples believed on him. So it's almost a symbol of like uh, the new covenant. Mm. It was this one singular miracle of taking away the pressure of the law, and it mm. was enough for people to believe. And what else really is the gospel? It's just saying like your works suck. You can't do it alone. Just let Jesus do it. Yep. And that's what made his disciples believe that he was the Messiah. Blessed. Absolutely. You know, it's... Uh... I would drop this mic if I could. <laughs> You've already dropped it and hit it enough. <laughs> Just kidding. I've hit it so many times. Uh, it's like Lazarus at the tomb, right? You know, uh, uh, you know, Lazarus, Lazarus, does that satisfy you? Lazarus, 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 there you go. Lazarus. Apparently, I always say it wrong. It says Lazarus, Lazarus, <laughs> the th, Lazarus. Uh, he was a dead man behind stone, behind, you know, yeah, freaking awesome. Uh, and, and Jesus, before Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead, a.k.a. get him born again, give him new life, Jesus imparting his own life and nature into him, before he could do that, he said, Take away the stone. So good. And they took away the stone. And they said, by now, Lord, he stinketh. You know, you know, there's no way that you can do this, Jesus. But Jesus said, with man, it is impossible. You will never be able to fulfill the Old Testament law. Mm -hmm. But with God, all things are possible. Ah, I've never thought about that verse. In con Praise God. That is so awesome. That's Liddy. And then what happens? He says, he says, Come forth, you know, Lazarus, come forth, you know. He has called you by your name out behind the Old Testament law, behind the stone. And then what does he say? He says, take those grave clothes off of them, you know. Okay. Take those, those, that's what happens. We get out from under the law and we get saved. And now our whole life is just unwrapping mm. uh, this, mm -hmm. the, this symbol that was to show that we were dead, but we are no longer dead. He's. Uh, a, a person that's alive does not wear dead man's clothes. Mm -hmm. uh, man, and you could just keep going and that, keep going and going and going with all the symbols and the word about that. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a teaching that's like all about the gospel of grace. I think it's episode 15. You can check it out if you want to go like really in depth about the law and grace and how it's all changed and whatnot. Well, uh, commune. Yeah, let's do, do it. it. This is the time to pause if you want to gather your supplies, if yeah. you haven't already. You can pause. Okay, I'm paused. <laughs> Blessed. Move my camel mug. The camels have really come in this podcast. <laughs> um, man. I just wanted to say one more verse, if that's okay. Of course. 
I just want to say to you guys, uh, I'm in Matthew 7. Um, starting about verse 7, there's that famous scripture. I'm going to spill wine all over my armpit. There's that famous scripture that says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives. And if you seek, you find. And to you who knock, it will be opened. And then verse 9 says that, What man of you, if your son asked you for bread, would you give him a stone? Mm. I just feel like I want nice. Bless. I just feel like. I think a lot of churches actually take the bread with the wine, so that's yeah, pretty funny. I think they do. Which is blasphemy. I'm just kidding because they're very different. Yeah. But uh, I just want you guys to just know that, like, man, when you're partaking of communion, please just remember that God is not looking at your works. You cannot take it unworthily. God gave you bread. He gave you Jesus. He is not, if you ask for him and if you've asked Jesus into your heart, He's not then turning around and giving you a stone. He's not giving you the Ten Commandments to follow. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that is like just one of my favorite things to think about when I take communion. It's like, man, dude, I am just free from that. I eat this bread like I have no part. It, Colossians 2, it says that the handwriting of the requirements was nailed to the cross. Like Jesus took care of it. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that, that was a dope scripture because it's like you are seeking out the bread. He will not give you works. He'll give you love. Hey. It's Satan coming to Jesus. Hey, turn these stones into bread. Turn these stones into bread. I've never, uh, ever connected that. Prove your sonship to me by works. Wow. And he says what? Nah, man will live by bread alone, by God alone, Holy by Jesus man. alone. Amen. I feel like we geek out over Revelation. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> Amen. We're just like, Wah! like the same way that people like, like it about video games. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Do you want to lead us in taking this? Yeah, I totally can. Um, I just want to pray. Do you guys want to just like pray with me? Cue modern worship piano music <laughs> with synth pad. Yeah, there's like background. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of harmonies. Just picture it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, Father, we just thank you so much that I just believe through the words that Brock and I have spoken that any any thought that anyone could have about taking communion unworthily has just left. And I thank you that this is just the beginning for a lot of people and their start of not only understanding just the awesomeness and the depth to communion, but just understanding how available it is to them and how it's just totally your heart to just extend this awesome revelation, this awesome understanding and declaration to them in whatever way they need right now. And I just pray that this would just spark so many things in people to go and just seek out your goodness, to just rest in your love, that just the striving of works would be just finished and that we would just be believers, not lukewarm, but that we would be warm for you. In Jesus' name. So right now, Father, like we just take this bread. It just represents one-third of the Trinity that became flesh forever. And I just believe that you just still have those marks that even though you're a perfect being, that those marks that you took from being on the cross, your side, your wrists, your feet, I just believe that those are still there. I believe that they're a memorial for forever because even though it might look imperfect on the f in, in the flesh, it's so perfect in the spirit because it was perfect love that made you to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I just take this bread and I just... 
I just worship and appreciate that you died and that I died with you. We just thank you, Father, for this this wine representing so many things, representing the uh, the ushering in of us living in the new covenant of grace, not by works and not by might, but by your spirit, Jesus. Mm. This this wine of, of, of grace of the new covenant. We thank you. This is our new identity. In this wine, in your blood, Jesus, we are bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. And your blood and life flows through our veins. Mm. And we now have a new spiritual genealogy for we are sons and daughters of God. And, and he has put his life in us. And this represents our new identity, Jesus, we are who you say we are. We are loved, never condemned, mm-hmm. altogether perfect in your eyes, spotless without blemish, without wrinkle, just altogether lovely. Your dove, your perfect bride, we're mm-hmm. your perfect sons and daughters. You see no fault in us, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And lastly, this wine representing our unity, mm-hmm. you making your permanent home on the inside of us forever, Mm. all eternity. And as we drink this, it reminds us of you entering into us and you're abiding with us and we abide with you and we know that we're one with you. And we just take this in remembrance of the sacrifice that you did to make that all come true. In Jesus' name. Mm. Praise God. That was like one of the best podcasts yet. Wow. That was that was pretty up there. The spirit in me. What can yeah. I say? I always feel like I'm on drugs after I take communion. Bro, I was just like Every thinking, time. I was like, I wonder if the people on the other side of the screen can just feel his presence. Like yeah. This. It's <laughs> thick in here. Jesus <laughs> is thick in here oh. tonight, as he always is. Man, he's just so excited to just love on us, man. Everybody. Mostly me. I'm his beloved. That's crazy. Impossible. Inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> we watched uh, The uh, Princess Bride for Valentine's Day. Yeah, Cupid didn't end up happening. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I have to be so bad. Alrighty. Go I'm fill so those sorry. go fill those water pots up. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, y'all have a blessed whatever. The time is you're watching this. Please share. <laughs> if you watch all the way to the end, share this with people. Send it to people. Post it on your whatevers. If you don't, it's all right. It'll still get out. So uh, raise God. Be blessed. Peace.